Let's see if it's still in tune. We ready? All right, we're ready. All right. Let's see if it's still in tune. We ready? All right, we're ready. All right. Time out, Tyler. Who are we taking the time out with today? Thank you, Kevin. Today, everybody, we have the King Glazer, the chairman and CEO at Buckingham Properties. King Glazer, thanks for uh, being on our show, Time Out with Leaders, where we showcase what Rochester's talent's all about. Um, my first question to you, Ken, to just warm things up, is I, I've seen that you've lived at the uh, in the pinnacle of pizza in your life. So we have Chicago <laughs> and New York. What is your favorite slice of pizza out there? Is it Chi-Town or New York? I'll take New York all day. I like the thin crust, but you know, a good Chicago deep dish is phenomenal. It really is. It's just like, it's a meal. So yeah, yeah you can't eat a lot of it. Or yeah, New we're York, going you quantity. What, what's your favorite deep dish in Chicago? Uh, I used to go to a place called Nancy's, Nancy's. Um, which is out by um, Wrigleyville, which is where okay. I was. Um, yeah, that was good stuff. Right yes, now, I was a Illuminati man myself, but I think if you've lived there, you know a lot more than I do. What were you going to say, Kevin? I said the only thing I tried in Chicago was the popcorn that they were mixing the cheese with the caramel popcorn. That's that that's what I got behind in Chicago. <laughs> but the deep dish is good, but I am a sucker for the Brooklyn style, you know, New York, New York style. So, Ken, while we're grabbing our pizza slice in a little Manhattan uh, joint, uh, what music would you request to, to sing on karaoke? Should should the three of us be just happen to be there during karaoke hour with our pizza slices? Yeah, I, I'm going to probably pass on that, you know? <laughs> I, you don't want me singing, believe me. I, I'll do everybody a favor. Um, yeah. If All I'm right, what's your go-to song in the car to get you pumped up? I'm singing to the Grateful Dead, but you don't want to hear me sound it out loud because that's that's what I like. But you know, that are great. I think that's one of the best jam bands that ever existed, right there. That's that's. Yep. Did you get to see them when they were in for uh, town for Darien Lake? Because I know my brother-in-law was. Uh, the I did there. not. I I was actually seeing the Eagles in Boston that weekend, um, on a random weekend, so I missed them. But <laughs> saw the Grateful Dead show. a bunch, so still like them. Can I want to ask you, you know, ever since I left you a voicemail many moons ago when I was doing some prospecting work for my last company, I've heard just so many great things about you um, and kind of about your history and your past. And what what, what ruffles your feathers? What's a guy like you get ruffled over? Because you, you, I've heard you're cool, calm, and collected, just like you are right now. You're displaying. What, what really grinds King Glazer's gears? I'm going to say the thing that, like, bothers me more than anything is – a lack of response, just, just the idea that you reach out and you don't hear anything. Like, okay, you don't want to deal with it. You don't know the answer. You don't know anything, but just say something. Like just send an email back saying, hey, look, I'm not going to get to this in a week. Fine, say that. Just don't not respond as being a response because no response is a response. And it's kind of a it's an annoying one that you just don't know. And that, that drives me insane when that happens. So it's one of the things I've tried to do really well is at least give an answer to guys like, you know, when you reached out, if I would have said no, fine, I would at least politely said thanks, but no thanks, instead of just ghosting you. 
So well, um, we appreciate yeah. that fact. Yeah. You. <laughs> because it is aggravating. No. <laughs> All right. That's so awesome to even hear. All right, Ken. So then we got to, we, we, we just had the national football championship last night. Boy, it's great to see Alabama lose. Tyler, I'm not sure what side of the fence you were on for that game, but being an SEC fan and all. But who is, if you had to, if you could only see one team play the rest of your life, what team would that be? Oh, it would be the Bills. Oh, let's oh, yeah. go. Oh, yeah. I'm a diehard Bills guy. I, I'm so excited for Saturday. And, you know, if my son and I, we go to games every year and we were down in Tampa this year. So we started a thing that he's 14 now that every year we go see the bills play in a, uh, a stadium outside of Buffalo. That's you know, we did the Dallas game on Thanksgiving. We did green Bay and this year we did Tampa. And we said, if the bills make the super bowl, we're going to go because we want to see the halftime show pretty much gray <laughs> and Snoop and all those guys. It's what, a, what an awesome thing to see the bills play and see that kind of show. That would just be fantastic. Oh, smoke tour. Oh, yeah. All in one. So, oh yeah. I'm a big bills guy. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting, I'm giddy for this weekend. I, when my buddy was asking me who I wanted to win on, uh, Sunday night. I didn't even know. Did we want to? Did we want to play the Patriots again, or did we want to play the the Chargers? Who are you hoping for? I actually am pretty happy with the Patriots. All right. It'll feel good to beat them again. <laughs> and, and you know, Justin Herbert and the Chargers. He he's he could cause us some some damage. So yeah. I, I don't think the the Patriots are that good. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. we do our thing. We'll take care of business pretty yeah. easily. I hope so. All right. Well, let's kind of get into some of the, the leadership stuff. Um, you, you, you found yourself, uh, oddly, I, I went on and I was like, holy cow, Ken's only been CEO for the last six months, but I didn't think I could have that right. But um, talk about your role at, just at Buckingham um, today and, uh, and, and, and what are you guys doing in 2022? Um, so my role at Buckingham is, is an interesting one because sort of evolved it started you know when my father passed and that's when I kind of jumped in his seat because I had to um and it turned out it took a couple years before I realized that was not really good for me it's not Mm -hmm. I I don't function the way he did I'm not capable in the way he was we have different skill sets I'm an architect by trade and and I'm a good leader he was a different kind of leader um he did it by doing everything himself better than everybody else it seems. That's not my style. Um, so we've kind of gone through a transition where we used to rely on him to give us answers for everything. And now take that a put, or take that out. Suddenly people are making decisions that they're not used to making decisions because they had someone else to rely on. So we had to go through a process of figuring out how to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a while that was me and then that kind of beat the crap out of me mm-hmm. for a couple of years. And, and I, and I uh, took some time to kind of figure out, you know, this is, I need to make this my company. My company isn't my dad's company. And I had to sort of step away and re-enter on my own terms. And finally, after a couple of years, I felt like I'm ready to take the reins. That's why shows like this summer is when I became CEO. That was how long it took for me to kind of get the rest of my life back in order, get the foundation set and say, okay, how do I want to, where do I want to go with this company? It's no longer my dad's. It's now my company. And I have to sort of embrace that. Um, And I had to put my team in place and um, it's been quite a journey to get here, but now, um, you know, 
everyone sort of has their seat at the table and, and mine is much more outwardly facing um doing things like this and being at lunches and shaking a lot of hands working these deals but i'm not going to be the guy crunching numbers that's just not what i want to do the only thing that I've maintained of my past is my architectural stuff. Um, I still design pretty regularly. Um, I won't be the guy drawing it, but I have design control of pretty much all the developments we do. And um, I always put something in there that's my own design um, in the building itself. I find a little like, okay, here's a little accent wall. That's mine. <laughs> so like the Butler till the lobby that was mostly my doing um and that was awesome for me that's like what i love to do more than anything mm -hmm. um so now i'm really trying to just get the people in the right places and be a good leader and be present <coughs> across the whole company mm -hmm. um focus on communication um feel like we lost a lot of that during covid um try to bring that back and feel like we're a company that you know, the vision and is united and we know where we're going mm -hmm. and uh, work on people, developing people. You know, that's what it's all about in the end. People. I love that. I love so. that. And it seems like you've had, you've learned a lot of lessons throughout that entire process that you just shared. I mean, it wasn't, I journey, can't it sounds even, like. yeah, it's, it's, un, it's hard to put into words, the kind of ups and downs that I've been through. And, you know, I'll be honest, I'm someone that came from a good place. I'm pretty fairly privileged. Mm -hmm. Um, but when it goes bad, it goes bad. And, you know, it just means you fall harder and it hurts a little more, but you got to get up and um, find something that gets you up in the morning, you know? And that's what I had to do, you know, because it wasn't the fear of being late for work because my dad was there. Suddenly I had to go to work because, because my dad wasn't there. And I had to go there for my own reasons. Um, and I had to figure that out. And that took a little while. So um, it's been a, been a good journey i've got to kind of put my life back together and sort of a part two version wow. part two is just the best ever it's really it's just you know i can't even tell you i mean i'm 47 and i'm happier than i've ever been wow. just got good things going on and looking forward to the future i'm engaged now like you know i was there we go that's some big news second second you know, second round is pretty fun. I got to tell you, you know, we, I got two kids, she got two kids. They all get along. So we got four kids at the house, sometimes four, sometimes two, sometimes none, but it keeps it really interesting. And, you know, that means we get a night off with no kids. And anyone who's been married a long time know that that's a dream, you know, <laughs> just one night. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, part of this whole process of sort of finding a new home and uh, a new direction so that's awesome oh that is awesome y'all do some beautiful work ken i'll never forget i walked into one of y'all's buildings uh, around the red wing stadium at one of my friend's apartments and i just remember saying who the heck designed this like what <laughs> mastermind is going on over here you know it was in a, a a different spot of town and i walked in there and there's just it was amazing man and you, you i wanted to harp on uh you said you you had to start over with your building your foundation again where, where did you where did you start? Like, what was step one in, in starting over for you? Uh, step one was really my own personal health. You know, the mental health, physical health. Um, I kind of didn't deal with the grieving properly, to say the least. I, I, I did other things. I sort of 
decided that I could fight through this, work's more important. I ended up just not being a good father for a little while. Um, it cost me my marriage probably in some cases. That probably had problems, it did beforehand, but um, when it was all said and done, I needed to sort of just get back to who I was. Like I lost my way as far as you know who I am and all of that. So I had to pretty much break me back down to like being a kid again almost and saying, what makes me laugh? What makes me get up in the morning? What's fun? You know? So once I found those few pieces, things started to turn around. And um, you know, I, I learned that you need to be patient with these things. Um, I just keep getting up and doing the little things. And eventually those little things are day to day. And next thing you know, you're tackling new things and those other things that for a while you couldn't seem to do are easy. You're doing them without even thinking and you just keep building. And it's been a slow process, but it's been a good one. So, you know. That's the power, power, powerful to even hear from, from somebody like you shared. Sometimes I'm, I'm sure people don't think that you have the same problems, right? Uh, like to Tyler's point, I mean, asking like what grinds your gears or what keeps you up at night. Some people might be like, oh, there's not enough cash in the pillow, you know, or something like that. But it, it, it really makes you so much more relatable to understand that we all experience loss. We all experience pain. And just to hear that your level of comfort with that and this rebirth of, of you um, as a CEO now is really exciting to hear about. So you talked about making it your own company. Um, you, you talked about kind of where did you see the future headed when you're going through all this growth and you're kind of going through this journey, what did, what have you set your eyes and eyes um, for the future of Buckingham um, properties? Well, I think um, for Buckingham, we want to get back to the basics. What do we do best? And what we do best is take old buildings and breathe life back into them, get creative. Um, you know, pretty much the shittier the building, the better. That's what we like. Um, we, we started doing like high rises and, and, and they're great buildings and they look awesome and they feed the ego really well, but they're not what we really do best. What we do best is warehouses and industrial and taking old brick buildings and putting cool places in them and bringing them back to life. Um, so we're really focusing on trying to find those opportunities. Um, it's not to say we're not building ground up still and doing other things. So we kind of do everything at this point. But um, really, we, we needed to figure out what our identity was again, because we seem to have lost our way a little bit. So uh, we've been doing a lot of internal discussions about what is the plan, you know? And that plan kind of starts with me speaking my vision and everybody kind of getting on board and challenging it and having, you know, meaningful conversations at an open table with, you know, partners. And, um, but it's about an open table, having that communication is really important. You know? And it sounds like a pretty safe space where your team feels comfortable to, to share their feedback with you. Um, it seems like you've, you've, you've also created that, that type of awareness of, and, and I guess maybe, maybe a shared experience. You, you had some mental, physical, emotional um, well-being challenges yourself. How much more aware has that made you as a leader today? Like night and day. Like I, it's hard to imagine how, I don't want to say naive I was mm -hmm. to sort of the realities of things that people struggle with. And everybody has people that around them that are struggling and you just don't know 
a lot of most of the time people are reacting to you in a way that has nothing to do with what you're talking about yeah. it's something else in the background that's just eating them up it's something at home and you kind of kind of have a little like um sympathy to that and understanding because if you want to get the best of them you need to really embrace that and understand that when it was your time they were there for you they had your back people had my back they held the fort down when i needed it now i have to kind of return the favor and uh you know covid's been tough mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are out and you know it's not normal business by any means but we have to find a way and we got to be there for each other and cover each other's backs when we need to and you know all that kind of stuff that you talk about you hear a lot about but until yeah. you've been on the other side of it it's really hard to understand yeah. um and i can safely say i was sort of on the other side yeah um your emotional was, intelligence just seems like like so much higher elevated and it's, it's well, awesome just to even see like you, you can even tell when you're talking about the past to, to where you are today, your whole facial expressions change. Um, you can just tell that the energy is just different. Uh, yeah. Well, I, you know, it's sometimes hard to remember how far it changed. I mean, the, 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 the roller coaster has been pretty severe. Um, but I, I think I'm, because of it, I am where I'm at. And I kind of believe I had to go through some stuff to, to get back to where I'm at. And now I'm feeling pretty good that the rest of my life, I'm going to be in a pretty good headspace. Well, we're so. excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's good stuff ahead. So I'm excited. Yeah, it feels good hearing someone like you say that, Ken, because I was in the same exact boat, man. Um, and uh, just uh, when I hear that language being talked, it like it, it gets me going, you know, that, that's what really fuels my fire. Um, you know, people ask me if it's my sleep, if it's the caffeine. I'm like, no, man, I just helped that person out over there. That's why I'm all fired up. How about you? And yeah. they think I'm joking, you know. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. It's, it's uh, a hard it's, thing to understand that for a while, the less I did, the more got done. <laughs> and it's still the case. It's sort of my leadership style is like, I, I don't know what I do all day. I'm busy. I'm, I mean, I come in and I am busy. I got all this stuff, but I never feel like I'm doing anything. But <laughs> It must be doing something because I'm setting everybody else to do what they do. And, you know, stuff's getting done. That's all I know. And, you know, it's sort of the way it works. Is you got to figure out your role and your my role is to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, and and you said putting, the, putting the right seats and the people in the right seats, too. Yeah, well, someone has to do that. Someone yeah. has to sort of watch all that and make mm -hmm. sure it's working. And um, that in itself is an important job, you yeah. know? Awesome. So, Absolutely. You know, that, that all fires me up, Ken. I'm glad we got to be here today. Um, let's get back to, I guess, uh, Rochester. I could go all day about that stuff. Um, when I, so when I first, I was up there in 2012, to about a couple months ago, and I always questioned, what happened to downtown? Like, on my visit, you know, I was like, you know, where, where are the things, you know, and I've, I've noticed on a few uh, LinkedIn posts that it seems like some more folks are moving down there. Can you kind of touch on how to bring the downtown back in and what you would do if you were running the show? Um, he is running the show. No, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're a big, obviously a big stakeholder downtown and it's, um, it's hard to explain what went wrong, but I don't think it was ever set up right. I think in the in the first place, I mean, the inner loop situation, you know, when you, you look back at urban design, you know, that that's 
I mean, we literally created a moat around downtown. Mm. So you can't physically walk in and out. So that sort of limited things. Um, and we were a, comp- a city based on a couple of very big companies that once you take those out, well, there was nothing left. And um, recruiting people to come to Rochester isn't easy. You know, most of the country thinks we're third world. Um, <laughs> you know, but the reality is if you live here, you love it. I mean, it's, I wouldn't want, I've lived in a lot of places and I love Rochester. I really do. I love it as a base to travel elsewhere and raise my kids here. Um, as far as downtown, you know, we've, we had to get rooftops started. People have to live there. And there's, we're not done bringing people downtown. I don't think we're even close, to be honest. Um, what, we, what we've seen in our new buildings, uh, we just finished the building, Butler Till headquarters. Um, our units sold out before we were even done with the building. Wow. Mm. Or wow. more than we were hoping for. So the demand is there. We just need to start having some confidence that we're a real city. I mean, that's part of this is that mm-hmm. everyone's a little afraid to kind of put their own money on downtown because it's been such a wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when you build something new downtown, it works every time. Like no one builds something that doesn't work right now. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a really interesting thing that the old buildings are getting repurposed and the new ones are getting full and where they're coming from, they're all over the place, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and part of it is sort of the public private partnership that had failed in the past. Um, our new mayor Malik is great. He's really focused on that. Um, he is communicating in a way that the former administration did not do. So there's a lot of hope right now that we're going to be able to make some changes and Rochester is going to continue to grow. I, I, you know, I know I'm a cheerleader and I believe in it, but um, in five, 10 years, we're going to be one of those cities that said, wow, look what they did. They mm-hmm. were like, just, they had nothing going on. And now this is a cool little spot. You know, um, I'm, excited, I'm excited for that day. You know, really you know, what's did. interesting too. Do you see Ken, I mean, that investment in the downtown that obviously you guys are making, and then we just heard another, um, publicly traded company at uh, Constellation Brands is planning yeah. to move to downtown and they're doing it more for their diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, right? To, to really speak what, do what they say um, and, and speak with more actions than words when it comes to those initiatives. Do you see that investment from other employers as they look to move downtown to really, I guess, build or build back that sense of community between the private and public sector, like you mentioned? Like, is that is that the missing link right now is because we are disconnected with the suburbs where most of the businesses have now moved to? Um, I think that, I mean, one of the first things is that we have to get past the safety issue. Yeah. You know, there's this feeling that it's not safe when it really is safe. I mean, social media certainly doesn't do us any favors. Mm-hmm. You don't see the good stuff. You only see the bad stuff. Yeah. Um, but bringing people downtown is a matter of right now, why would someone want to be downtown or would they want to be suburbs? And you have to have some things. You need the restaurants, you need to be able to sort of have some nightlife and all those little pieces take a little while to put together. What comes first? You know, is it the housing or the, the, the offices? Well, in this case, case we're really putting the, the housing in first. Um, 
and the offices are following. And once we get a little momentum, it's going to really take off. And it's starting. Constellation is a fantastic, it's an amazing thing. Um, and it shows here's a real company in the suburbs coming downtown um, and the aqueduct and all that area. It's going to be really cool. Um, and once you know companies start thinking about recruiting, especially young people, they want to be in the city. So if they want those young people, you have to make a choice. Do they want to go to the suburbs and sit in a parking lot or be downtown where there's action and there's lunch places and there's music playing? You know, that's what gets people downtown. So um, I think we're on the right path. I think you just have to, again, be patient with it. Mm -hmm. um, it'll keep working itself out. But I think we've far and away passed our rock bottom as a city. and. Um, we're going to start really taking off. And we can tell because we're starting to get looked at from national investors that awesome. say, hey, that's a city. You can buy a building pretty cheap and it's oh. going to work. Um, that's what happened with Sibley, you know, and, and Wind Company. Mm -hmm. and, and then they did amazing things over there. So it's a good example. And then, you know, it'll just keep filling itself up. And with the inner loop, you know, downtown's connecting to Park Ave now and the Strong and all that good stuff. It's all just little pieces that are just moving forward. And, you know, it looks like a different city already. Um, it was totally different. Uh, Even from when I was living down there four, four years ago, five years ago. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy are the differences. And what are you doing from, from a building perspective um, to really, I guess, kind of rebuild or build back some of these old businesses into that green um, category? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, you know, one of the problems with Rochester is that the price of steel in Rochester is the same as the price of steel in Boston, mm -hmm. but we get half the rent. <laughs> yeah. So it's really hard to build here. Um, it's just, it's a disadvantage that sort of, how do you fix that? Um, you build something that is green and green is expensive, you know, and who's reaping the benefits and Who's the company that sort of wants to pay for that up front? Right now, Rochester doesn't get the benefit of it. Um, there's a lot of programs uh, that help, but they're kind of designed for cities that can get a lot more per rent or, or, or you know, the values are just much bigger. So construction makes more sense. We get caught in this sort of web that we can't get out of because it, it's just not economical. So. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the biking program in Rochester has really taken off. That's really good to see the bike paths. And, you know, we need to become much less vehicular oriented, which we clearly are a suburban city. Um, again, that's going to take a while. Mm -hmm. You just got to get more density and more people living vertically and less horizontally. That's um, really cool. Awesome. Yeah. Just to hear from the architectural perspective, that's why I was curious. When I look at the green design and green, you know, is, you know, buildings, I kind of start with the fact that we're taking, we pride ourselves to not knock down buildings, but mm -hmm. actually reuse them. And, you know, just that alone doesn't get a lot of credit for being green, mm -hmm. but that's so much more green than building a new building. I don't care how you, you want to spin it. Um, you know, and you put good windows in and you insulate it and good lighting. To me, <coughs> that's very green design. And that's, yeah. that's what we do have. We have a lot of buildings that are not being properly used and need some upgrades and come back to life. 
And that's how we'll get to sustainable because we already have the good bones. That's awesome. We have some amazing buildings here, architecturally speaking. I mean, we were at one point a very wealthy city. You can see it downtown. Um, we just need to kind of get those all going. Um, and that, that to me is much more environmental than, you know, building a building that gets LEED certification mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. It's great, but you're still using a lot of stuff that was not there before. Yeah. Um, so. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kenan, while I was watching that football game last night, I had some notes written down for you. And this was pretty simple. What, what's the coolest project you've ever worked on? Um, the coolest project. I don't know. The most interesting I can tell you was my first job ever. Uh, I was working for Robert A.M. Stern in New York City. My first job, I was in the model shop. And my first client was Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> um, my first so this client. is like 1998, uh, 97, I'm sorry, 1997. And I got to go to Trump's office and listen to you know, Bob Stern, my, my boss, Donald Trump, argue about the design of a new Holy cow. Trump hotel in New York City. And I got to build the model. And I didn't know who he was. I always thought he was kind of funny looking with his hair, but it was in the same office that he saw on the show years later. So that was like, that's sort of like my peak of like my architectural career with Donald Trump and it. And that's sad to say it's downhill from there, but um, <laughs> Yeah, that was that was how I started. So holy so. cow. Do you have a favorite project? <laughs> like a building that you go back into and you're you just sort of, it just brings you down memory lane from your um, architectural background? Donald Trump 97. You know, I besides that hotel. <laughs> there, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what I you know, I, I ended up working on um um Celebration, Florida, you know that playing community. Mm -hmm. um, I got to be one of the really low designers on that. So that was a fascinating project because they had never really done anything like that before. And to see it now, it's a phenomenal thing that they created out of nothing. Uh, so that, that I always sort of look at that and say, hey, you can build a whole town out of nothing. We could build a city when we have a city already. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's so cool. And what'd you learn from Bob Stern? I've, I've saw it in a couple other uh, interviews you've done, Ken. You mentioned him a few times. What were your, your key takeaways from Mr. Stern? Uh, his, his approach to the design was historical, always. He always felt like you're not going to reinvent the wheel. Just, just stop. It's been <laughs> done. You know, you just need to know how to make, you need to understand how everything else has been done to sort of figure out how this project works using pieces that have worked in the past. Hmm. So his approach was to do a study, a historical study on every project to get as much historical context of projects, precedents that would be relevant to it. And then he would have this huge, like, you know, war room sort of, of images of projects that would be related. Then he'd say, I like this, I like that. And then he put them all together and morph them. And um, it was a really fascinating thing. So. The first thing I always do at a project is sort of go back and find pictures and images that I think could work that I like. And then I figure out from there, all right, let's start with that one and then we'll morph it into this site or whatever it is. So, hmm. 
Yeah, you architects are way too smart for me, but the buildings look great. And I, I do enjoy the flow of the buildings, but I, I know there's a lot more thought that goes into these things. And it's it's fascinating. And I, I, obviously, I wanted to ask you about architecture. I, well, um, did you know you wanted to be an architect since day one? I know that was the first when you went to um, Lehigh University, and then you actually got your master's from the University of Illinois at Chicago. Did you know architecture since graduating high school or even before then? Or was this something? No, far. Yeah. Pretty far from it, actually. Okay. Um, Because my parents were both business folks. They told me I had to go to business school. That's the only (laughs) thing that matters. They literally said that. So I went to Lehigh for business. Um, I actually did not like it. Um, And I remember I was sitting on the beach, actually, with my mom after my freshman year, and I was building a sandcastle. And I'm like going to town on the sandcastle. I mean, I spent like three hours according to her. I don't remember that well. And she remembers like when I was a kid, like all I did was play with Legos and erector sets. And I would sit there and build these things. She said she would leave me in a room for hours with a box of Legos. And that's all I wanted to do. Is And so, and then I went, huh, that could work. Yeah, I'll be an architect. And that was it. And I transferred over to the, the architecture school and I kind of haven't looked back. So, What didn't you like about business? Just out oh. of curiosity. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know. It just wasn't me. It just never got me like excited. Mm-hmm. Widgets and micro and macro and all that stuff. I mean, it's obviously a big part of my life. And I, it's not that I can't do it, but I don't really... Some people just really like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It took me a little while to figure out that that's just not me. You know, I, I once I discovered architecture and the fact that you know not everything is fits in a box cleanly, and there's you know there was a whole side of my brain that I never used. I had never drawn a thing, and I was horrible at it. Thank goodness they have computers because I really can't draw or sketch very well, but. Um, yeah, I, once I discovered that there was this artistic side and a freedom to create, that that changed everything for me. Mm. Yeah, I'm right in the same boat again, Ken. I could not stand business school at the Sam Walton College of Business down in Arkansas, but I, I'm too dang stubborn, man. I just kept failing and failing, running into data analysis and financial resources. I always thought, dude, I'll, I'll hire someone to crunch these numbers for me. Exactly. You know, I, you know I, get me in front of someone, I, can, I might be able to impress you. But as far as the numbers go, and they actually want to do it, you know, (laughs) they actually enjoy that stuff. That actually gets them out of bed in the morning. (laughs) You know, go at it. You can do this all day. I'll be over here doing my thing, you know, building models and stuff. And, you know, way better, man. Yeah. Today, uh, I guess a little family talk. What what do you, what advice do you, you press on your kids over and over? Um, I know like those kids nowadays are just on another level than us in, in the era of uh, you know social media and all this technology. What what do you what do you press on them, Ken? My kids, you know, I, I really try to communicate them to be very aware of who they are. You know, um, they're they're. They're coming from places where most people don't get to start from. And they need to remember that not everybody, you know, can go out to eat when they want to go out to eat. I mean, little things like that. And they, they have a home and they have everything is secure. I mean, my kids go to Pittsburgh, you know, they're, they live a really good life. And they need to remember that they haven't earned that, for one, you know. 
they, they're going to have to go out there and they're going to have to make it on their own. And what they want to do is up to them. But if they decide to kick back and just sort of do nothing, that's not okay. You know, you have an opportunity to make the world a better place because you have advantages. I expect them to do that wow. one way or another. <laughs> wow. I oh, refreshing. That. Yeah, that's refreshing. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 not only refreshing, but can't, like through the entire episode today, you you talk about the working on the self so much. And, and, and us going through and we're hearing the great resignation and the war for talent and all this other stuff. But all it simply was, was an evolution of people finding themselves, right? We had that timeout from distractions, from society, from societal norms, whatever we want to call it. And a lot of people, Tyler always talks about it, finding their purpose or unlocking our purpose. And really, I mean, you kind of talked about you being aware of who they are. And once you found out more who you were, it made you a better leader. Do I have that right? I'd say so. Okay. Yeah. What to Tyler's point, and it's a great ref- spot to be in today, but a lot of people are still trying to find who they are, right? Still trying. They think people that found their purpose and they're reading about it on social media, they feel like they're behind the ball. And it's like, I still don't know who I am. I still don't know what I want. What, what would you tell those people that are trying to find out more who they are? What makes them happy? You said, where did you even have used to have fun anymore? What, what do you tell people that are trying to start their journey? Um, and maybe change up the way that they're leading today, or maybe change career paths in, in its entirety? Yeah, I, I, that's a really tough question. I think, you know, I can only relate back to my experience and what really freed me up was finally the understanding that I was really doing a lot of the things I was doing to get approval from like my dad, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and once I freed myself of that. I went, okay, now my dad's not here. So that's a big pressure that I didn't even realize was driving a big part of my life. My whole direction was always trying to get, you know, that pat on the back, you know, and that's pretty normal. And it's pretty common that people don't even realize that they're doing it until they kind of don't have to do it. And then for me, that was a freedom that I didn't, that like, once I got there, it was like this big weight off my shoulder went, okay, so who, who am I now if I'm not showing up to work to make sure my dad doesn't yell at me or because I want to be him or I, I, you know, like he was my hero and I just wanted to make him proud of me. And, you know, like most of us do. Um, I don't know if that's the right answer. To, of life you know you have to sort of separate yourself from you know those things and say what really makes you happy and that might not be what everybody else thinks is okay or is acceptable or you know so be it mm-hmm. got to find your happy place one way or another Woo! <laughs> i'm excited about that <laughs> absolutely i think we heard a similar story in brian cuban mark cuban's brother when we had him on a few months ago and and me too man my dad was the texas high school football coach and i was always trying to do the same thing ken and you know i was first chair and buying an orchestra i was all state in basketball football baseball and looking back i put all that pressure up on myself as this imaginary like uh pressure i would say you know and until someone looked at me in the eyes one day and they're like dude do you think you made some of this up and i'm like no way i sure did you know and then it's it's amazing when once I, I i got to you know to feel what you're talking about man um 
think I did. I think I realized that during the pandemic too, Tyler, you and I talked about that. I think that it, I I was putting so much of my value into my career at that point, which is, that was, that was what I, that was a lesson I had to learn is like, it's, it's a dangerous place to be when you always need that approval. That, that, such a, such a, it's a, it's awesome to hear obviously that Kenny is going through some a similar experience that we all kind of experienced the global pandemic yeah. and I can't imagine how many folks you, you help out Ken you know when you get to share your experience man coming from a guy like you uh, I know you fired me up a little bit today uh to you know continue and uh, and I think that when Kevin talks about purpose you know I try to find my purpose right now you know where I am right now is probably where I need to be if I'm doing the right thing. So uh, I've had a blast this out. What is it? Afternoon up there? Is it two thirty y'all's time? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you being on, Ken. Kevin, you have anything else? I'm I'm blown away. Got a, a couple uh, pages of notes over I here. I got a, I got a bunch of pages of notes, and of course I got questions. The 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 one that I was going to end up on because I think it's something that really speaks after the whole conversation. I wanted to wait to the end because it's something I used to do at an old employer of mine is construction, Ken. How did you come up with the idea and why did, what motivated you to come up with such a, now that you look at it, it's such a great um, company-wide like initiative to get everybody kind of involved. And I hope to see so many more companies this year get involved because of that. Yeah, well, I didn't create construction. I was wondering, I was like, is Ken the mastermind <laughs> yeah, behind no, this no, idea? No, I'm <laughs> definitely far from that. I, I just ended up, I ended up doing it in Portland, Oregon. I did it in Chicago. I did it in Boston. They were already set up there. And then when I moved back to Rochester, I started construction Rochester. And it was sort of my dad's way of saying, you need to meet people. You need to do something <laughs> charitable. I want you to do a charitable thing and you need to get around town and shake as many hands as you can. <laughs> and that was my architecture. That's sort of what it is. And I had done it before and it seemed like and I've met so many great people through it. And the, the, the structures are so creative and amazing. And there's schools and there's professionals. Um, and it's for a great cause. So I'm, I'm always blown away by what people create out of them, out of those cans. Um, so still probably my favorite thing every year is that event. So. Yeah. I can imagine now knowing the architecture side of you. And then I was on seeing the, the images. I don't even know how people started that design. of. So I saw one that was a uh, uh, connect Four uh, image. I was like, yeah. how the heck did they come up with that? Idea? Well, it's, it's architects and engineers and, and it's a process. And you, you know, you, you shop for cans for color, for size, and you got to figure out how it stands up. And there's, you know, it's, it's not a little kid thing. It's actually, oh. Yeah, you know, it takes some ingenuity to it. Yeah, and I and I share your infatuation with Legos. My mom could totally set me up in a room with a box of Legos and know Kevin was a okay for about ten hours. Ken, this has been a real treat for for me, for Tyler, for just having a real conversation with uh, such a leader like yourself. And um, you called out the elephant in the room, obviously, with uh, your experience that you've had in your life. And how that really has made you a leader. And it seems like a leader that everybody else is getting behind. Um, and you mentioned that they had to have your back and you had to have that trust. But now the sky's the limit, it seems, for Buckingham. That beautiful Butler Till building, uh, that was such an incredible project. I'm, I'm always glued to see what you guys are working on next. 
Um, but thank you so much for being a guest on our show and, and being one of those special local leaders. Uh, I know Buckingham is a great place to work. I have several friends that work there um, and they speak just so highly of your leadership and what you guys are all about. Great. Thank you. I really, it's been nice actually. I haven't spoken that way in a while. It feels good. you know. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you did because I think there's a lot of people that this story is going to resonate with. And uh, I think that we, that we can all take something away and uh, become that 1% better tomorrow. So thank you. All right. Thanks guys.